What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim. Best case, worst case, part two. We're going to be talking about the Indiana Hoosiers and the Northwestern Wildcats. Make sure to like us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to share us. Follow us on social media, Instagram. We have Big Ten Football Talk page. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Facebook, it's Zach Guggenheim. Uh, at those accounts. So feel free. I'm hoping to make a couple of uh, Big Ten Football Talk specific pages for those, but we'll, we'll see if I can get around to that. You can also email me at Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. So if you have questions or thoughts or just want to drop some feedback, feel free to do so. Also make sure to leave a review. We, we are doing this best case, worst case. If you had a chance to listen last uh, last time on Tuesday, we, we covered Illinois and the Rutgers Scar- Scarlet Knights, and we talked about best case, worst case for them. And again, I want to reiterate what, what this exercise is doing. This is not my projection of these teams. This is a exercise in what might be a reasonable pathway to the best case season and what's a reasonable pathway for a worst case season. And so that pathway might be a 2% pathway, but it's still a reasonable pathway. So I'll tell you what's not reasonable, and I'll tell you right off the bat, it's not reasonable to expect Northwestern to win the national championship. They just don't have the talent. They don't have the roster to do it. But it might be reasonable to say they at least make a bowl game. It might be reasonable to say they might they might do a little more than that. Uh, it might be a long shot, but it's a reasonable long shot. Similarly, and we're, we'll get to Ohio State later, it's not reasonable to think they're going to go 0-12 and lose to Arkansas State. But it's reasonable to think that if they go through some, some growing pains with transitions – they might do a lot worse than you think. And I'm not going to disclose what I think that, that floor is for them. But the, the reality is I think that's – I think there is a, a reasonable worst-case scenario for Ohio State that people aren't really talking about. So that's, that's what this exercise is. We're going to do the East and then we'll take a, a break and then we'll do the West. And I'm going in the order – of Phil Steele's uh, Phil Steele's projections. So if you don't know who Phil Steele is, make sure to get a copy of his uh, college football preview magazine. I think it's the best magazine out there. He's a he's brilliant. He runs a lot of different simulations. Uh, he is a bigger college football nerd than any of us ever will be. So make sure to to check that out. But we're gonna start with the Indiana Hoosiers. The, the hometown school of my wife, she grew up in Indiana, in Zionsville, Indiana, which is, I think is about 45 minutes from the Indiana Hoosiers Stadium. And Indiana is, they're coming off of, I think, shattered dreams. In fact, I remember those, I forget his name, but he emailed me early in the season last year He's like, I think Indiana could pull off the upset this year against Ohio State. And I I didn't think they would, but I, I didn't think they would implode as much as they did. And really, it started 
and ended with Michael Penix's in injury. Uh, Penix, of course, is the starting quarterback. He he's he's since transferred and is now going to be at Washington. And Indiana was never like they never really got it going. So they they played Iowa and it was a big top twenty five matchup. In, I think Indiana was ranked ahead of Iowa. I think they were 18th and Iowa was 19th. And very quickly, it went sideways. Iowa won 34-6. to six. They picked Penix off, I think, three times, took two back for scores. I mean, it was, it was a disaster, which Iowa can do that to you, right? We've seen them do it to – we've seen, it, seen them do it to a top-five Michigan. We've seen them do it to a top-five Ohio State. We've seen them do it to a top 10, top 5 Penn State over the years. So, like, they screw with highly ranked teams at home. Like, that's just what they do. So, it's like, okay, you lost at Iowa. Okay, that's fine. And then they they, they reeled off a win against Idaho. And then they lost to Cincinnati. And honestly, it was Indiana led in that game until I think Micah McFadden got ejected for targeting. And so you're like, okay, it's a bad break for Indiana, but they they played Cincinnati tough, and Cincinnati ended up being a playoff team, and they I thought they played pretty admirably against Alabama. So again, it didn't look bad, and you know they went two and two, but I think at that point their season was kind of over because they had a lot of smoke. You know they were a dark horse to to win the Big Ten East, and instead they're two and two, and then they. They go to Penn State, they, they get beat 24 nothing, and then they play Ohio State, and they just get trounced on national television, and it's, it's just over. I mean, they, they lost to Rutgers by 35, they lost to Minnesota by 21, they lost to Purdue by 37. I mean, that was, that was the, the way their season went. I think a lot of it was momentum, and I think a lot of it was the fact that Penix got hurt. And so, to me... Indiana is a little tough to project because I don't think they're as bad as last season indicated because I, I think they actually had some decent decent players, right? You've got Taiwan Mullen coming back, who is, I think, a really good corner. You know, they had some other good guys on defense, but they, they never quite captured the magic. And I, I think part of the problem is they, they weren't flying under the radar anymore. Right, they, you know, they had a lot of smoke. They were like, "We should have been in the Big Ten title game in 2020." We took Ohio State to the limit, and so a lot of smoke, a lot of momentum. They're ranked in the top 20, and then they fall flat on their face, and and they just didn't know how to manage expectations. That's what it seemed like. I still think Tom Allen's a decent coach. I think he, he's he's made them tough, and so I I don't think here's the problem. I don't think. They have the talent to really make a, a strong push in the division they're in. So I, I think the best case for them is still fairly bleak because I think last year exposed that while they had some talent, they don't have a lot of it. Penix was a great leader for them and, and really built momentum with the Penn State win uh, in 2020. And I think everything he gained from the Penn State win, he lost with the Iowa loss so, and, and with his injury. And so he's gone. Now you have Connor Basilak, who is coming in from Missouri. 
he's okay. I, I've looked him up. His QBR was 59th in the country. His TD interception ratio is 16 of 11. And, and this is all without having played Georgia last year. So, like, you know, he's playing all the SEC East, which quite honestly stinks. They played Texas A&M, which, you know, they were okay, but he didn't play well in that game. He was terrible against Arkansas. He was 10 of 26 for 65 yards and an inter- interception. So it's really, really hard to get excited about a guy who is probably just kind of average. No offense to him. I, I think, you know, he's made it to D1 football. Good for him. Now he's got to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. And probably with less talent than Missouri had. So they also lose Ty Freifogel. He was a dude for them, like really good receiver. They lost him. Uh, their running game has just not been very good. And they, they, they don't have, I think, really anybody good. Uh, they, they do bring in Sean Shivers from Auburn who was decent at Auburn, um, but, you know, he's coming in to be more, you know, to be a, a starting guy. So here's the thing. How does Indiana have a best case? Their transfers has to pop, have to pop, and they have to build momentum early. They have to build momentum early. If they come out of the gate and stumble, I think you're looking at the worst case, okay? So we start with Illinois. It's home. It's a Friday night game, spotlight game for them. They get Friday night to themselves, I think to themselves. And because of, you know, Basilac is new. Illinois doesn't really know much. You know, they're still, Illinois still getting things together. They're able to win by, by 10 points. They're, they, they're able to get that, that game. Then they get Idaho. Idaho is... Not very good. They're at FCS. They blow them out of the water, and they start building momentum. Sean Shivers starts to build momentum as a running back. The defense is making good stops. They, they're they building confidence. They play Western Kentucky, which is a good offense. It's a good group of five offense. The defense leads with a few turnovers. You know, Taiwan Mullen gets a pick. Their safeties get a, a pick or two. They, they, they're able to really uh, shut them down. And they win, and they win in convincing fashion by like 14, 17 points. So they're 3-0 going in to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, remember, no Desmond Ritter, no Kobe Bryant, uh, no, uh, gosh, what's his name? Um, Sauce Gardner, yeah. No, no Sauce Gardner. He's only the number four pick in the draft. Goodness, Zach. No Sauce Gardner, and... Because of the transitions, Luke Fickle has a tough time getting them ready to play, and Indiana springs an upset over the Bearcats. Okay, so they're they're four and zero, and then they go to Nebraska, and Nebraska, Nebraska's because Scott Frost can lose to anybody, right? That's reasonable, right? We we saw them lose to pretty much everybody last year, so they lose because. You know, whoever the new quarterback is fumbles the ball three times and it's in heartbreaking fashion because that's what Scott Frost does. And Indiana somehow finds themselves at 5-0. and Then they play Michigan and they get blown out. And then they play Maryland. It's tight. 
but Tunga Vailoa and and the receivers have too much talent, and they 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 get beat by ten points because the offense just can't keep up and the defense just can't keep up. Um, I, I think, and here's the theme: I think if you have an offense with at least some semblance of a defense, I or let me let me put it this way: I think if you have an explosive offense, uh, you have a really good shot of beating Indiana. If you have any semblance of explosiveness, I think that's going to get it done against Indiana. If you look at Illinois, Western Kentucky can be explosive, but they don't have the athletes, right? Idaho, they can be win. Cincinnati, they, they're not going to have the offensive production. They're just not. That's not how they won last year. Nebraska can turn the ball over like crazy. Michigan's going to have a good offense. They can pound the rock at you. Maryland's going to have an explosive offense. So... They're at five and two. They go to Rutgers, and Rutgers they beat Rutgers six and two. They're bowl eligible. They get a buy, lot of smoke. Maybe they're they're like receiving votes in the AP poll against a, a top twenty five Penn State. They host Penn State. They lead at halftime because they're 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 gritting. They're tough. Tom Allen has them inspired. Penn State wins by a touchdown. And they're six and three. They go to Ohio State. They lose by twenty-one. Respect. They they have they're 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 in it. They're in it till the third quarter. But Ohio State pulls away. They win by by three to four scores. They play at Michigan State, and Michigan State that uh, they lead Michigan State into the fourth quarter. But Peyton Thorne just just has a little too much to him. That their receivers. Have a little too much, and they lose to Michigan State, and then they play Purdue, and Purdue barely wins uh, a close one because again Aiden O'Connell and the explosiveness, and they go six and six, which, they, and then they get a MAC opponent or a Group of Five opponent in a bowl game, and they win, and they go seven and six, and that's that's a good that would be a really good year for the Hoosiers. Seven and six would be a really good year, and I think it's reasonable. And actually, what I just laid out, I think if if Basilak hits, if Sean Shivers hits, um, if one of their receivers can come through, I, I think there there's an argument there that they can they can start five and zero. Here's the worst case scenario: they get Illinois. Illinois runs it down their throat. They lose by seventeen, and all of a sudden, any sense of momentum, it's over. They get Idaho. They struggle with Idaho, but they win by 10. And everybody knows what's coming. Western Kentucky comes to town. Their offense is just too much for the Indiana defense to handle. It's too creative, too innovative, and they lose by 21. They go to Cincinnati. They put up a good fight, but they lose by 14. Nebraska, because they actually have more talent wins by 35 and then you get to Michigan they crush them you get to Maryland they crush them they get to Rutgers and Rutgers uh, out schemes and out disciplines them and so they get to the bye at one and seven and they lose the rest of their games and they end up one and eleven if I'm honest I think that's more likely if I was to project this right now, that's the worst case. 
The be- I think the best case is six and six with a bowl win over a group of five team. I think the worst case is is really bad, like one and eleven. So that that's my that's my synopsis on Indiana. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna get to the Northwestern Wildcats. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. We are talking the Fighting Pat Fitzgeralds, a.k.a. the Northwestern Wildcats. The Northwestern Wildcats might be one of my top three or four most intriguing teams in the Big Ten. Northwestern... If you look at talent and results from last year in a vacuum, you think they are they were maybe the worst team in the Big 10. Last year they went 3 and 9. They they didn't have many uh close losses. They got blown out by pretty much everybody. You know, they got blown out by Minnesota, they got blown out by Wisconsin, they got blown out by Illinois. They lost to Duke. I mean, that was by 7. But you look at, I mean, they got destroyed by Nebraska. And their only win in conference was against Rutgers, which surprisingly, if Rutgers wins that game, Rutgers goes 6-6, six and six, which that's just crazy to me. But Northwestern was 3-9, and nine, their only Big Ten win against Rutgers. Their only other two wins were Indiana State and Ohio. So not very good teams. But this is this is the crazy thing. As going into this thinking, there's no way I'm gonna pick Northwestern even to on a bet, best case scenario to go like six and six. But I can't I can't ignore one thing. Pat Fitzgerald. So if you look at the past five years of the Northwestern Wildcats, in 2017 they went ten and three. And their their three losses were to Duke to Wisconsin, and to Penn State. And then they reeled off a ton of wins, including a win over, uh, at the time, number 16, Michigan State. And they won their bowl game. They they ended up ranked in the top 25 that year. And then you got to 2018, and they, they lost to Duke, Akron, and Michigan before reeling off uh, seven wins in the next eight games and their only loss was to the number three team in the country, Notre Dame, by 10. And then they made the Big Ten championship game and frustrated the heck out of Ohio State. Now, they ended up losing by three touchdowns, but nobody thought they should have been within three touchdowns. So they, they went 9-5 and five that year. And then in 2019, you think, oh, they're going to build off that. They go 3-9. and nine. And then you're like, oh, they, well, they stink. And then in 2020, they go back to the Big Ten championship game and they frustrate the heck out of Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. And then you're thinking, okay, they're going to be great next year. They have a lot coming back, and they go 3-9. and nine. And so this is the reality of Northwestern. They never have the talent that you need to overwhelm you. They thrive on discipline, hard-nosed football, and developing their players. And one of their one of their 
players in particular who they developed. Peter Skaronsky, people think he might end up being the best left tackle in football. And and not just in the Big Ten, in football. Like, that's high praise. And when Northwestern is good, they are developing their offensive line and they have good depth. If you look at their offensive line, Charlie Schmidt, Conrad Raleigh, Josh Preby, Ethan Wierdekir, Peter Skaronsky. They have a senior, a junior, and three sophomores, but four out of five of them are returning starters. You have a decent running back in, in Evan Hall who comes back. Cam Porter also comes back, and I think he's got a little juice to him. I'm not sure about the receivers, but Mangiri, who's the, the tight end, uh, has a little juice to him as well. The question really is about Ryan Helinski at quarterback. I thought he would start last year. He did not. He was the third string. I don't know why. But if if he can do well, and then you look at the defense, you know they bring back one, two, three, four starters. Five starters, excuse me. If the defense can gel and the offense performs a little bit better, if you look at their schedule, I think they can do some things. I don't know if they can make the Big Ten Championship game, but I think I think they can do better than last year. Now, the worst case is, you know, Helinski just blows it and they have another quarterback controversy and experience on the offensive line doesn't mean much. Okay, so... There, there's this reality. A lot depends on, and this is similar to Indiana, a lot really depends on do the transfers and do the in, incoming starters, do they flash? Do they click in, in such a way that they give their team a much better opportunity? So let, let me do the best case first. Actually, we're going to do worst case first. I'm going to do worst case and then best case. So worst case... They start at Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland. Why? I don't know. But they go to Ireland, and Nebraska plays up to their potential, and Notre Dame doesn't, and they lose that game. They have a bye to lick their wounds and to get used back to the the time change. They play Duke at home, and they've dropped the last three, and they they drop now the last four to Duke, and they are now 0-2. They play Southern Illinois, and Southern Illinois is an FCS team. And you might think, oh, well, Northwestern can beat them. But here's the thing. The Salukis of Southern Illinois, they were 8-5 and five last year, including a close loss at Kansas State. Uh, they went 1-1 one and one in the FCS playoffs. That They're not a bad FCS team. And Southern Illinois upsets the Wildcats, and they're 0-3. Because Helinski can't get it going. The offensive line isn't as good as we thought. The defense has too many holes. You know, Brandon Joseph is gone. And so they're now 0-3. They play Miami of Ohio. Miami, Miami of Ohio might be the best team in the MAC West. The MAC East, I forget which division they're in. Miami of Ohio, again, pulls another upset. And they're 0-4. And now they got to play at Penn State. Play home at Wisconsin. 0-5, 0-6, bye week at Maryland, 0-7, at Iowa, 0-8. They go 0 for the season because 
at Maryland, at Iowa, Ohio State, all losses. At Minnesota, they, they get pounded on by Ibrahim. At Purdue, Aiden O'Connell throws all over the yard. And Illinois overpowers them. Because here's the reality about Northwestern. If they don't gel, they don't have the talent. They don't have the talent if they don't gel and one of their transfers don't flash. Doesn't flash, okay? Now, this is why this is why Northwestern's intriguing though. What happens if Holinsky delivers on what he showed at South Carolina his freshman year? What happens if Effin Hull gets better? What happens if the experience of the offensive line gels? What happens if the defense the defensive uh, replacements are an upgrade. And again, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of experience. If you look at the defense, it's a lot of sophomores and a lot of juniors. Okay. And so what, you know, no, 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 no freshmen are projected here, which is good for them. So what happens? What happens with all that? Well, they, they play Nebraska and a mix of disciplined play by the the Wildcats and, you know, Scott Frost being Scott Frost. I'm going to love doing the Nebraska one, by the way. Uh, Nebraska loses by seven because it's Nebraska. They, they only know how to lose close. I'm sorry. I will stop ripping Nebraska after this, I promise. Northwestern's 1-0. They go on a bye. They play Duke. And they they outwit Duke, and they 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 are able to on defense, special teams, and a couple of, of flashy plays by Helinski. They get to two and zero. They beat the Salukis in a much tighter game than you'd expect. But now they're three and zero. They get to Miami, and they play them tough. But they get the win over Miami by about ten. They're four and zero going to Penn State. And they lose a close one to Penn State. They frustrate Penn State. They get to Clifford a few times. Uh, and it's it's really close going into the fourth quarter, but Penn State ends up winning by 10. You get to Wisconsin. And again, they're able to limit Graham Mertz. Uh, they, you know, they're able to kind of keep Braylon Allen in check, but they just don't have enough on offense to keep things going. And they lose by three in a tough game against the Big Ten West leader. They're 4-2. They go to Maryland, and they force Tungavailoa into a lot of mistakes. Maryland can't get the running game going, and Maryland's defense never quite gels. And Evan Hull is able to get the running game going. He runs for over 200 yards, and they, they beat Maryland by 7. 5-2. Five they go to Iowa, and Iowa, because they don't have much at receiver and running back, they cannot get past the Wildcats, uh, the Wildcats defense. And again, Evan Hall claws, fights, and Holinsky gets a game-winning touchdown pass, and they get 6-2. and two. They run into Ohio State. They lose by four touchdowns, but it's close at half. They go to Minnesota, and Minnesota, they're able to keep it close to Minnesota, but Minnesota wins as Ibrahim really is able to, to really power them to victory. So they're now 6-4. and four. 
They go to Purdue, and they keep it close with Aiden O'Connell, but and and the Boilermaker offense. But Aiden O'Connell is able to to really get things going. Uh, and it's six and five, and then they play Illinois, and they are able to squeak by Illinois to get to seven and five. And it's a good season. They get to a bowl game. They they play a lesser opponent in a bowl game, and they win. They go eight and five. It's a bounce back year for the Wildcats, and they really they have enough experience, I think, to pull this off. But then they get another year, and then they become a real West contender in 2023. Really build a lot of momentum. So that's the best case scenario I have for Northwestern. The worst case, zero and twelve. The best case, seven and five or seven and five in the regular season, eight and five. I don't think they can make a Big Ten championship game. I, I think ultimately there's too many losses in the Big Ten schedule. I, I don't think five and I think I have them going four and five in the Big Ten, and that's just not going to get them to uh, to a Big Ten championship game. It's not like Illinois where I think they're going to lose one uh, in the non-conference uh, in their best case. But let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what you guys ha- have to say. Feel free to email me. Feel free to uh, leave a review. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Signing off. God bless. <laughs>